Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for July 22nd, 2018. We are posting this a day early, so you might be listening to this on the 21st. We are here gathered in San Diego to talk about the Warner Brothers panel, the big panel that uh, of this entire convention. Uh, they talked about all the DC movies, Fantastic Beasts, the Lego movie, and, uh, and more. So uh, we're, we're going to talk about our reactions to the footage, that some of which was only screened here in Hall H., uh, and give you a recap of what we saw. Uh, let's start out, as the panel did, with Fantastic Beasts uh, 2. Um, they showed us a trailer, which is now online. You can see it on SlashFilm.com. Uh, Brad, what is your reaction to the trailer? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really good trailer. Uh, it shows a lot of new footage from the movie. We get to see new glimpses uh, of exactly what Dumbledore is up to, and um, there's some. there seem to be some hints as to, you know, Dumbledore's relationship with Grindelwald, there's one interesting shot in particular where it seems uh, Jude Law's looking into the mirror of Erised, and he sees Grindelwald in that mirror. And for Harry Potter fans who know exactly what the mirror of Erised does, that's kind of an interesting prospect to put in there, especially for anyone who has been concerned that the, mo- the franchise might sidestep the fact that they um, seem to have some kind of relationship that goes beyond just being friends or allies. Uh, that they could, in fact, have you know a, a loving, romantic relationship that was destroyed by their different philosophies and how to approach um, the magical world and the muggle world. Um, but it's it's action packed. There's a lot, uh, tons of new footage in there, and what what's interesting too about the from the panel is that while Jude Law was talking about um, being young Dumbledore, he addressed the fact that Dumbledore still has a lot of secrets that haven't been unearthed. There are a lot of chasms that we haven't uh, explored just yet that will be unearthed. And he also said that this seems like it might be the darkest chapter that we've seen in the Wizarding World yet. And I'm not sure what that means, considering all the stuff that Voldemort did towards the end of the original Harry Potter franchise was uh, pretty friggin' dark. But, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll find out what that means when the movie comes out later this year. Yeah, and Warner Brothers always brings the big spectacle to whole age. They have the screens take over the sides of the auditorium. And this year they give us these bracelets which uh, interacted with the, the people on stage. Johnny Depp showed up in character. As Gellert Grindelwald. As Gellert Grindelwald, 
there's a glitch in the video, and all of a sudden there was voiceover from Johnny Depp as the Dark Wizard addressing the audience, and then he appeared out of nowhere on stage in character, full makeup, full wardrobe, uh, gave a little monologue um, saying how he doesn't hate, you know, muggles or non-magical people, but he feels they have a worth other than you know, uh, what people see them for. And he said that now is the time to rise up, basically giving a speech as if he were speaking to his followers. Um, you know, it was, it was, uh, uh, an interesting, you know, way to create this creepy ambiance. The way Johnny Depp delivered the speech was very, uh, methodical and spoke slowly that it, so it gave it a little uh, more of an air of significance. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, something fans that definitely enjoyed. Um, let's now talk about the Lego movie, uh, two, which I guess is called the second part um, we saw an exclusive trailer at the convention. Uh, Jacob Hall, managing editor of SlashFilm.com, you wrote this up for the site. Um, what did you think? It looks like more of the Lego movie, and that's a really good thing. And one thing I was worried about when they first announced this was that it was going to maybe be sort of a remake, sort of to follow the exact same path. But this looks like it's going to have the same type of humor, but it's doing some really fun, bizarre things. As you saw in the first trailer, it's set in the... Um, in the post-apocalypse of the Lego world after the events of, of the previous movie, which is set five years uh, before the events of the sequel. And there's a wild style, Elizabeth Banks' character and uh, Emmett, Chris Pratt's character, living in this Mad Max-esque wasteland where they're subject to alien invasions regularly. And the basic gist of the plot seems to be that wild style and all, most of the cast are abducted by the aliens, and Emmett has to go save the day. And the big reveal in this footage was that there's another character. Uh, what was his name, Peter? Do you remember his name? Rex? You no, know, I thought it, it, Rex, but I'm not it, sure. It's Rex is a really good name. I'm going to pause this podcast. He, so he, he's a raptor trainer, uh, <laughs> also voiced by Chris Pratt. Yeah, it is a amalgamation of all of Chris Pratt's cool characters. He's a, he's a gal- galactic hero like Star-Lord, a raptor trainer like his Jurassic World character. So the fun here is this buddy dynamic between Chris Pratt and Chris Pratt, one being sort of Parks and Recreation Andy Dwyer uh, loser, and one being this super cool guy. And they had this... Uh, buddy team up relationship that seems that they seem to hit off hit off right away, and the biggest best joke of the footage we saw, um, one of the cool Chris Pratt's Raptors uh, notes that they share a similar wardrobe and says in Raptors subtitled their best friends. And it's like, <laughs> it's that kind of dumb punnery that I'm yeah. here for. Uh, it, it was really fun. Um, like I like I said, more of the same while being different. If that makes sense, I'm excited to see this movie. It, it looks sweet and adorable and fun. Yeah, and it, it should be mentioned that uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were um, fantastic on the, the panel. Chris Miller had broken his arm, and his daughter uh, had turned the, the cast into the Infinity Gauntlet, which was cool. Um, they also talked about the Sistar system. Can you tell us about that? that? Yeah, um, basically the uh, gist of the Lego Movie 2, uh, if you remember from the end of the first one, uh, the, in the live-action segments, the uh, kid, uh, the main kid, has... Learned, um, c- c- come together with his father and is going to start letting his sister play with them. So the idea of this war, this alien invasion in the, um, in the Lego world is a metaphor for um, playing with your sister who has very different tastes and interests in the Sistar system, which is a pun in of itself. It represents the imagination of the uh, sister, the younger girl. So we're going to see sort of this collision between um, a young boy's idealized world and a young girl's idealized world. I will say that this, it didn't look as funny as when I first saw the first trailer for the Lego movie, the first Lego movie, but it did look like a lot of fun. Um, let's move on to Godzilla, King of the Monsters. This is one of my most anticipated 
uh, presentations at, at this uh, panel. Um, the trailer's online, so you can go to SlashFilm.com and watch the trailer now and see what we saw. We didn't really see much more than you. I mean, it looks very different than the, than the, the first film. It uh, The world building in this looks entirely different. Uh, I'm so excited. The mon- uh, All the monsters look incredible. Seeing, you know, Godzilla... Uh, <laughs> it, it, it just... I don't know. It, it, like, it looks like a new level of Godzilla. They did announce at the panel that composer uh, Bear uh, McQuarrie is, uh, is going to be composing the score from this using... Uh, adapting the scores from the classic Godzilla monsters in this film. And I'm a big fan of his work from 10 Cloverfield Lane and Battlestar Galactica. So that's very exciting. Um, let's move on to Wonder Woman 1984. They did show the first footage uh, from Wonder Woman 1984, which was exclusive to Hall H. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, yes, this is Chris. Hello. Uh- <laughs> yes, Chris Evangelista. Please tell us about it. Uh, yeah, so... Wonder Woman 1984 has only been shooting for three weeks, but Patty Jenkins still managed to bring some footage, and it looked it looked great. It looks nothing like the first Wonder Woman, which I kind of love. It's it's incredibly brightly lit. Um, uh, in my write up, I described it. It looks like an episode of the Netflix show Glow that just happens to have Wonder Woman in it because the movie is set in the 80s, so there's a very 80s vibe. The clip is set in a a, a mall with all sorts of. 80s trappings and you know it was just a, a standard action scene where wonder woman is uh fighting two two crooks and there's a a little girl who's very impressed to see wonder woman um but just based on that it was just a lot of fun and i'm i'm very much looking forward to it and it, it ended with a, a shot of wonder woman hauling like ass through the streets which was pretty good yeah it looked very 1980s the mall uh, look, 1980s. It's funny how how many of these DC movies are now shooting in malls these days. Um, uh, and not much to be seen, though. Like, I, I don't think there's a... Brad, uh, Jacob, do you have anything to add with uh, Wonder Woman? What I was most impressed by in this footage is that so much of Wonder Woman 1, which is set, you know, in Europe during World War One, is so grimy and gray, and the color palette is so muted but intentionally, that when it moves to the 80s, everything is so bright. Wonder Woman's costume pops like right off the screen and the color palette looks extraordinary like unlike any other DC movie we, we've seen so far and in this footage I was just I kept me so excited because it looks like classic Wonder Woman it looks like what you expect from this character and I couldn't be more excited to see more uh, well said uh, let's move on to Shazam a movie that I was not looking forward to whatsoever but after seeing this footage guys I'm actually excited for this uh Jacob, you wrote this up for the site. Tell us about it. This looks like so much fun. I, for those of you who don't know what Shazam is, uh, it's this old school classic DC character. He's created before DC um, University existed. He was brought into it later. But it's as old school as you can get. And the basic premise is that this kid, Billy Batson, is given special powers by a character known as the Wizard. So whenever he says the word Shazam, he transforms into a superhero. And the superhero is played by Zachary Levi, Levi from Chuck. But he's... um. He's still a kid. He just, he's a kid in an adult superhero body. And the footage we saw was essentially big as a superhero movie. It's set in the DCEU. We see references to Batman and Superman. Uh, Billy's foster brother, played by Jack uh, Dylan Grazier from It, is a superhero fan. Like he, has a, he has a Superman-Batman collection. So it's in that universe, but it's so colorful and cheerful. By the way, it's so weird that it's set in that universe. It's weird to see a character in that universe like idolizing those characters that 
yeah, it's one of those things where retroactively they're going to tell us, oh, Batman and Superman were great, beloved heroes when Zack Snyder's <laughs> movies presented them as being monsters. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm here for Shazam because uh, Zachary Levi looks hilarious. He's um, in the panel, is, they talk about how so many of the hundred adults they auditioned to play the grown-up Shazam uh, were playing him as dumb, cause, uh, whereas he plays him as enthusiastic. He's so excited to be a superhero. And in, in the trailer we saw, it's, it's now online, um, we see like him like just experimenting around, learning his powers, failing to learn his powers well, and just relishing the fact that he is uh, a 14-year-old kid living out the fantasy that all 14-year-old kids have. And the panel, we didn't learn much in the panel. It was mostly... Uh, mostly Jack, them having fun. Yeah, right? it was actually Levi and, and, the, and the kids having lots and lots of fun. Um, but you could tell they had a lot of fun making this, and the fun they had making it translated in the trailer because the movie looks like fun. Like fun is the word I want to keep using yeah. because <laughs> um, so many DC movies are just so grim, dark, and interested in, in taking themselves seriously. And here comes a movie that I don't want to say. I don't want to say it feels like Marvel. It doesn't quite feel like Marvel, but it uh, it, it it is putting the audience's pleasure first as opposed to trying to make you take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised at how funny the trailer was. Uh, I do still think the suit looks dumb, but maybe that's the point. Um, let's move on quickly because we got to get to uh, some stuff that people have not seen at home, I think. That's probably what they want to know, know about and their reactions. So let's talk about Aquaman. They did release a trailer online, uh, which you can watch. Uh, it is getting kind of a divisive response online. Uh, but we did get to see an extended clip that they did only presented for Comic-Con. It was unfinished footage. Um so, uh, Chris, you wrote this up for the site. Uh, tell us about the clip, or describe the clip. So, the clip featured a lot of stuff we saw in the trailer, but there was there were two um, extensive scenes. One involves Aquaman and Mira uh, in the Sahara Desert for some reason, and they go into like a ruined temple. It's almost like an Indiana Jones-esque adventure right, scene. Right, right. Um, and... They need to activate this mysterious device, and the scene is a literal uh, ripoff of the film The Fifth Element because they need water to activate it. So Mira uses some of Aquaman's sweat, and that's something that happens at the end of The Fifth Element. She, so, she uses her special powers yes. to suck the sweat out of his head, which just seems a bit much. Like I'm sure he could have just like wiped the sweat off his brow <laughs> normally, but anyway, so uh, that happens. Don't don't forget the pee joke. Yes, There's a pee just, joke. I was getting to that. So at the end, when the device works, Aquaman quips, "Oh, we could have just peed on it because he's a funny character." Um, and then <laughs> the rest, the other extensive scene was this this chase sequence, which I, I will admit was well shot. It looks better than. 90% of the other action in the in the DCEU as we know it where Aquaman and Mira are running o over rooftops and through buildings and they're being chased by Black Manta and his henchmen and uh, and it's presented in almost like one single shot right which is probably seamlessly yeah, you know so cut with it, CG but it actually reminded me a lot of the chase like the one there's like a one big chase sequence in James Wan's Fast and the Furious movie, and it looked like it's shot exactly like that. Yeah, um, that that's where I felt James won the most. Right. Uh, out of everything we saw. Yeah, and I gotta say that's that. I don't know what to make of this because I love James Wan, but this does not look like one of his movies. It looks really goofy, and I don't have a problem with the goofiness, but it looks almost too goofy to the point where I don't really know what they're going for. But a part of me wonders if that's just bad trailers because. <laughs> 
you know, the sh the scenes we saw outside of the trailers played a little better than the footage in the trailer. So I, I really don't know. What worries me is the dumb, silly humor. Um, you know, I know the CG was unfinished, but the, this, this whole sequence with Black Manta and his henchmen looked like something out of the Power Rangers to me. I don't know. It, it looked uh, really stupid. That incredible one-shot tracking shot was incredible, and I hope there's more of stuff like that in the movie. Uh, you know, in, in the trailer and in this extended se sequence, we still got our first look at the bioluminescent city of Atlantis, which uh, after seeing it on screen, I'm like, wow, I wonder if uh, James Cameron, after <laughs> when he sees this, is going to be a little pissed off because we know, you know, the Avatar sequels are going to uh, go into Pandora's Sea. Uh, Brad, what did you think of what we saw from Aquaman? Uh, honestly, I was pretty unimpressed. Um, I definitely think that the exclusive footage that was shown in Hall H was better than what was shown in the trailer, but I feel like it's just this amalgamation of a, of a bunch of different movies from the footage they showed, from Indiana Jones to uh, Avatar, because the underwater world of uh, Atlantis it has, like you said, that you know luminescence factor where it feels like it's Pandora underwater. Um, there's some Lord of the Rings in there because of the epic battle between, you know, the, the two factions that are fighting, riding on sharks and charging at each other underwater. And it's just, it's it's too much. It, and it's it's very goofy. There's some really bad dialogue in here. Like, when Aquaman comes aboard a submarine and he drops in uh, and he, like, looks behind him and he's like, permission to come aboard? <laughs> and it's just like, come on, guys, you know? And, like, uh, there's, uh, it's just very odd to me. I don't know. I, I was really excited to see what James Wan was going to do with Aquaman. And I'm a little disappointed with what i've seen especially because i i know some of the footage uh, is unfinished as far as visual effects but there are shots in the trailer that do not look good at all yeah uh especially some of the underwater stuff it looks very bad because it's clear that they didn't shoot it underwater and you can tell like they try to make the hair flow and that looks fine but it's just it's it's all very artificial looking nothing looks like it's it's real you know and then and like surely that's some of the idea because it's a comic book movie but you have to ground it in something so that it feels tangible in some way. Yeah. Uh, it should also be mentioned that that, that extended trailer that isn't online uh, ended with a reveal of Jason Momoa in the Aquaman suit from the comics, which looked incredible. I'm, I'm getting the feeling, though, it's not going to be a big part of the film. It's probably part of the reshoots after, you know, Zack Snyder was... Uh, Zack Snyder departed the DTU. Uh, Jacob, I know you were a little bit more positive on Aquaman, so, I, you know... Tell us the other side of things. Why Why are we wrong? Why Why does this look good? Like with Shazam, I am so over DC movies being these grim, dark pieces of self-serious nonsense that seeing these characters who I love, I love Aquaman, I love Mira, I love Black Manta, seeing them look like themselves and act like sort of themselves. Aquaman's not my Aquaman, but I'll, I'll, I'll live. Seeing them like this um, makes me happy. But, and, but, but you're trading nihilism for P-jokes. Uh, the, the humor is bad, Peter. You're not, you, you got me there, but I like I like the thought of um, this look like a big grand adventure movie on on the land and a big Lord of the Rings style fantasy movie under the ocean. And it looks the Aquaman universe is silly, and they're embracing that silliness. There's giant sea creatures fighting sharks. There's lots of bad CGI, but they still have six months. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I don't want to like. Yeah, it's hard to harp on the CG, especially in the extended trailer, because that wasn't something meant for you know, wide audiences, yeah. but the CG in, as Brad said, the CG in the trailer that was released online was not so good either. Yeah, but I, at the same time, though, I'll say this much. After the 
Hall H panel ended, and we're sitting there trying to finish up our work, and we're talking about some panels, and I'm the one here, one here saying, I like the Aquaman trailer, and everyone around me is going, no, it's not good, <laughs> and suddenly I get a text from my wife at home, who's just watched it, and says, it looks like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, referring to the Rob Rodriguez movie from 10 years ago they made in his garage. <laughs> so, I feel like I'm definitely alone here, but I will take super silly, goofy Aquaman over Batman vs. Superman or Suicide Squad any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Okay, that does it for today's coverage from San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, as always, you can find this podcast published every weekday on SlashFilm.com and all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us an email at peter at SlashFilm.com. And please go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and uh, we will see you on Monday with a new water cooler episode. And thank you for listening.